Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Episode of Purple Insider, Matthew Collar here and returning to the show because he was just tilted online and decided to tweet about the Vikings all morning. Eric Eager, the Sumer Sports Show with a, a two-time GM of the year, Thomas Dimitrov, as your co-host, formerly of Pro Football Focus. People know who you are at this point. Huge WNBA fan. We got the league starting soon. The draft is on the way. Big Ten tournament in downtown Minneapolis. Lots going on, Eric. What's up? Yeah, I'm. I'm thank you for having me. It's always fun to hang out. I, I can't wait to uh, see you and and all and all of our friends at the combine next week. Um, I, I gotta get your take out of the way though. I know this is not a WNBA podcast, but are you worried at all about the quality of play in the league now that all the good players are playing for two teams? Um, I'm excited to use my season tickets to see those two teams that are going to play, uh, against the Lynx this year. But I mean, I don't know, like this is basketball, right? It's kind of the history of basketball is super teams. And nobody was really all that concerned when the Lynx and the Sparks were super teams or when Houston was a super team back in the day. So this is kind of how it goes. And also, I mean, in the W, I think it is more of a guarantee that those two teams will meet in the finals. But in just basketball history, it hasn't always been. I I am old enough to remember Carl Malone and Gary Payton trying to join the Los Angeles Lakers and having that blow up. So it's it's not always a deadlock. But I think that having those kind of two teams on a collision course with New York and Vegas – it, it, it is exciting. I mean, people people love these. They love the Bulls. They love superstar. Like, that's when the NBA went to the next level. That's when the W went to the next level with Maya Moore, Candace Parker. And now I think it can go even farther with sort of the social media effect. So now it's like, can those two teams set records for wins? You know, yeah. things like that. Um, but it yeah, it's already been a crazy offseason for the W. So would you would you bet one of those two teams or the field for a championship? Oh, I think one of those two teams is the yeah the, those two the or there is a favorite for sure. I I would just I'm more concerned because you know obviously like we live close to Indiana, we go to a Fever game, we will watch Fever ga- Fever games here, and like they were at times unwatchable last year because I do you and I disagree on like the uh, whether or not the league should expand. Like I don't necessarily know if there are enough good players for the league to expand. Um, and I, I worry that like three or four teams in the league will look a lot like the fever last year because of the way that talent has been distributed. Um, but no, I mean, look, the aces and the sky, their games last year were phenomenal. Uh, I thought that the finals as well, phenomenal. So I, I have no doubt that once we get to playoff time, uh, things will be great. And yeah, I think that those two teams should be favored against the field for sure. Yeah, people should uh, start if you are not watching the W already. Although uh, on expansion, one of the things that I love about the league 
is that there is such a concentration of talent. So I would not want to change that. But we should talk Vikings uh, here. Um, the, by the way, the Minnesota Lynx, this is at, I'll make a comparison. The Minnesota Lynx had Maya Moore, and they were competing for championships every year. And when Maya Moore stepped away from basketball, they fell into kind of a middle ground where they still had great players and played entertaining games. You and I went to some at Target Center. They were in the playoffs a couple of times. But last year, they did everything they could to make the playoffs. They did not make the postseason on the final day. And now they are set to draft either Haley Jones from Stanford, Diamond Miller from Maryland, or potentially even Aaliyah Boston, depending on how people look at it from South Carolina. She's more likely to go number one, but you never know. Those are three amazing prospects that they are going to be able to start rebuilding their team with. And I don't think I have to work too hard to find the Vikings connection here, but the Lynx, they battled and battled and battled to stay around in the middle and sort of didn't let it happen of going to the bottom to draft. And it just happened naturally. And I think that if the Minnesota Vikings do not take a radical course this offseason where they're moving on from their quarterback, they're letting Adam Thielen, Harrison Smith, Eric Kendricks, Delvin Cook, all of those guys go and then just focusing on rebuilding through the draft. If they don't take that route, it could be a similar kind of thing where they try to scratch and claw, but basically just the forces of nature come for them next season. So I wonder if you think that they should just let that happen or if they should take more of a radical route this off season and just start right now with tearing pieces apart. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so hard to, you know, for Quasi, Adafo Mensa and Kevin O'Connell, because last off season, they kind of did the competitive rebuild thing. Right. And they said, you know, look, um, you know, th- this is a really weak NFC if things go our way, we can win a lot of games and, you know, we can kind of smooth this thing out. And I think they were right on the one side. And we talked about this on a few shows, like they were very correct about the NFC being wide open and specifically their own conference, you know, their own division, I'm sorry, being wide open green Bay, you know, they traded their best receiver. And unlike Kansas city, they didn't put a good receiving core together to replace him. And so they, they fell off. Defense wasn't quite ready for prime time. That's an underrated part of Green Bay, by the way, that might mean that they're competitive this year is that their defense is a year older and, and more mature and has a lot of talent. Um, Detroit was nine and eight, which is great. And they gave the Vikings two really good games, but they weren't quite ready to win that division yet. And Chicago, of course, uh, tanked and, and have, has the number one pick now. And so the Vikings did win a lot of games. And, you know, whether or not we believe that they were truly a 13 win team or not, they did that. The problem then with the with the whole competitive rebuild part was they're right back to where they were, right? Like they 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 didn't get any closer, right? And part of that is the, the fact that their draft class wasn't good. But the one of the reasons their draft class wasn't very good was the competitive part of the competitive rebuild meant that you wanted to play uh, uh, Cam Bynum over Lewis Seen because he was better than him last year. That you wanted to play you know, Cam uh, Cam Dantzler and Patrick Peterson over Andrew Booth because they're better at right now than those guys were. And so you're a year in, and there were some unlucky things. Booth got hurt, Scene got hurt. You would imagine that they would have played. But Brian Asamoah didn't get a ton of snaps because you played two veteran guys over him because he wanted to get on the green from a, from a record perspective. Ed Ingram was really the only rookie that played significant snaps last year. And so now you're a year into this competitive rebuild. You have to basically go to ownership and say, 
hey, guys, uh, you know that team that won 13 games that we put together? It's actually not that good. We have to tear this thing down. That's a tough sell and why I never really agreed with the competitive rebuild because you just never – either it burns in your face and then it wasn't worth it anyway. You should have just rebuilt fully or you actually have success, which they had, and you're almost like, well, shoot, we didn't want to go all the way in there, right, and and, and do that because now – your rookie class has had no experience or no positive experience and your quarterback played well enough. I actually enjoyed watching cousins play last year. I actually thought it was one of the first years where he was really bought into the team and, and successful and like took chances and made his stats look worse to make the team look better. And, and yet at the same time, it's like you're stuck. You didn't go anywhere. You work. We, you watch the Super Bowl. They're not anywhere close to those two teams. And and yet they're not anywhere closer to rebuilding. So in my opinion, to answer your question, you got to just start. you got to rip the Band-Aid off now. You have to play for 24, play for 25, because going sort of halfway in, we're going to be having the same exact conversation on February 22nd, 2024. So here's what's different, though, about the conversation from this year to next year. Uh, you did mention some of it, which is the landscape changes every year. So if Carolina gets like Derek Carr or something, I know you're not a big believer in the Derek Carr experience and neither am I, but that means Carolina is probably a playoff team. And if the Saints get Jimmy Garoppolo, like they're probably competing for yeah. the playoffs, like all of a sudden it can happen quick where last year it's a disaster, but then Detroit might be stronger. Or if Aaron Rodgers comes back and they add a receiver and Christian Watson and some of those guys are in their second years, then Green Bay is probably just as competitive or more so. Chicago is absolutely going to be better. They can't be worse. And uh, they're not tanking anymore. They've got lots of money to spend, et cetera, et cetera. Like the landscapes change so quickly and your schedule changes so quickly that it's it's different because this last year you could have looked at your opposing quarterback schedule and gone, oh my God, who are these people? Like even at the beginning of the year, I remember writing this, that Kirk was the better quarterback clearly in about 12 out of 17 games. And that was including Rodgers being better than him. And last year, Rodgers wasn't better than him. Yeah. So, I mean, they were, even it was like going to be Zach Wilson or Mike White or Joe Flacco, like those were not good options. And you knew that from the very outset. Now, next year, you know from the outset, that's way different. It is a murderer's row of quarterbacks and offenses that you have to face because you were in first place in the NFL set it up to be that way. That's one thing that's blatantly different than last year. But the other thing is that quarterbacks signed contracts. And so when you signed Cousins to a one-year extension last year, it was like, well, you haven't won recently and the QB market hasn't really blown up yet. So here's like 30-something million. Give us a little cap space. Everybody can be happy. But then Kyler Murray signs for 45 mil yeah. a year. Russell Wilson has his mega deal. Like everything changed with the quarterback landscape. And I think that going to Kirk and asking him for that short-term deal that's really team-friendly after winning 13 games is just a lot harder. So I, I think that they can look at it like, oh, well, we can run it back with a better defense and we'll get the same results. But there are a lot of things that are pretty different here as far as the landscape. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, Burrow is going to have a deal. Herbert's going to have a deal this offseason. Lamar Jackson's going to have some sort of deal, I would imagine, this offseason. Um, Daniel Jones might have. I mean, look, the worst thing that could happen to the Vikings is Daniel Jones getting his way and getting a $45 million APY deal because then Kirk Cousins is better than Daniel Jones. So he's going to be like, hey, guys, 
uh, (laughs) you know, and I think that this is the problem with the Cousins era too, right? Because, you know, let's, let's compare it to the Mahomes thing, right? Because I I tweeted out the other day, I said, look, if you have a quarterback on a rookie deal, the, the irony is he doesn't have to be Mahomes for you to have success. If you have a quarterback on a veteran deal, the quarterback's gotta be Mahomes like for you. I mean, Mahomes is the only quarterback in the history of the league that won a Super Bowl with a cap hit above 13 or 14% of the cap. I mean, that, that, that is the ball. And the, and the thing with Mahomes is he wins no matter how you slice the data. He wins, you know, throwing over the top in 2018 when no one knew that they were that that good. He wins throwing underneath in 2021 and 22 when everybody ran the two high stuff. He wins with Tyreek Hill. He wins without Tyreek Hill. He wins with a running game. He wins without a running game. He wins with a good offensive line. He wins without a, a good offensive line. Um, he, you know, he wins with Mike Kafka as his quarterback coach without Mike Kafka as his quarterback good defense, bad defense, all, every way you slice the data, he wins. And it's weird because Vikings fans, when they talk about Cousins, they do the same thing. And I and it's weird because in five years, Kirk Cousins has failed to win, no matter how you slice the data, right? 2018, 2019, they had a great defense, right? Since then, they have a, had a bad one. Um, he's played great in 2020, 2021. He's played meh in 2018 and 2022 he's like they've had a great running back they've had a running back over the hill they've had great wide receiver play they've had deep wide receiver play they've had shallow wide receiver play they've had great tight end play they've had mediocre tight end play they've had young young interior offensive linemen they've had old interior offensive linemen they've had great tackles they've had bad tackles they've had like they've had five offensive play callers and they still can't win it's like does it do we do we need to change any knobs on this dial anymore? Like it, it and and again, he's been fine in all those circumstances. Like it, it's the same thing as Mahomes. Mahomes has been elite no matter how you turn the dial. And Kirk's been 12th, no matter how you turn the dial. And and it's and so I feel like you have to go back and say, like, this is just not good enough. And and it's and so you know, good schedule, bad schedule, all that kind of stuff. You really what is the goal for this team? If the goal is to if the goal is to win and win sustainably, they have to think elsewhere. And and to your point, like I, I see the 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 changing wins in the NFC. You could look at the other way and say, well, Rodgers might go. Brady's gone already. Um, you know, you know, Goff is probably not going to be as good this year as he was last year. And so there's other reasons to buy into him. But we say like he's been kind of who he is, impervious to the whole league. And that is bad because we've seen in five years, they got one playoff win, one division title. That's it. And and do we see anything changing from there on out? Uh, I keep thinking about the dynamics of this whole thing, because like what you just laid out is something that, I mean, our audience knows well, it's just this conversation about how many things around cousins have changed and how the results are the same and the price tag and all those things. Like we've been over it many, many times many, many, many times uh, around late February, usually when we're talking about what they're going to do with their future is is when we have this discussion. And every time we kind of come to the same um, maybe conclusions about just like where this is likely to go. And last year outperformed any of the conclusions that we that we had around this time talking about whether they extend him or not. Um, But this year, this year just feels like it's the opportunity where every year you could talk yourself into it for one reason or another. And there was actually an argument to be made. Uh, It wasn't necessarily my argument, but like, think about this way. Like in 2019, they go to New Orleans, they win a playoff game. 
and they decide like, well, you know what? He had a really good year in 19. I think he did yeah. play actually quite well that season. And okay, well, what we're going to do then is we're going to draft corners. We're going to replace digs and we're going to kind of have this little bit of a competitive rebuild type thing. And then they freaked out and traded for Yanni Gagakwe. I don't know what that was, but like you could sort of see it like, okay, I get why you're doing this. Uh, that you think that you're fairly close and then you just need to do this, that, or the other thing. But with this, it was like, I don't think anything more could ever go right for you. And if you're saying, well, maybe if, you know, they hadn't had Ed Donatell or something, but, but on the offensive side, you were healthy the whole season. And, and like, there's always been that, like, well, a lot of things did go your way, the one score games and everything else. So while the defense was bad, it's the whack-a-mole game we always talk about. So yeah. I guess, so I guess my thing is though, that, like when, when you have Kwesi Adafo Mensa, you have him to know all this, right? Like that's why you have him here. So it's not Rick Spielman talking on the PFF podcast about how he'd draft a running back over a cornerback. If the, the running back's a better prospect, that's psychotic. And that's why you move on from him and get someone smarter, right? That's the point. Even though, by well, the way, Spielman drafted two all pros his last two years in the first round. Darishaw is an all pro. Right. That's it. That's yeah. Trent Williams right there. And, and obviously Jefferson, by the way, my, my old colleague, Deontay Lee, my, my, my brother in Christ, we need to Jefferson is the, is the best non quarterback in the NFL. And Rick Spielman gave that player to you. I, I mean, we, we look at Spielman deridingly, right. But like this thing could have been a lot worse. Like he did Spielman drafted what, like five hall of fame players potentially. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Potentially. I'm not going to yeah, give I mean, him his flowers, though, looking at the defense this year. Whereas with Quasey hasn't drafted a good player yet, but knows what he's doing. I think if you look at process-wise, it just shows how uncertain this whole this whole process is, right? Yeah, I think that what I'm getting at it with Quasey is that the process is supposed to be smarter. Like the like with Rick Spielman, he drafts, and, and I know Quasey made this same error last year, but like, he drafts Ezra Cleveland and moves him to guard. So he takes him from a premium position to a non-premium position while that, without ever even trying it. And then that may be the coaches as well, but like you got to be on the same page there, right? They drafted a running back in the second, a running back in the third, thumping linebackers, like just, oh, well, he's a good prospect. Like the point is about Spielman is you have Quasey to know better, like than to just yeah. sort of run it back and do these things. But here's my thing. They want to be, a, a big old brotherhood there with Kevin O'Connell. How do you tell Kevin O'Connell after winning those 13 games, Kevin, you actually shouldn't believe in yourself. Like I know yeah, you yeah. think that you can get back. And I know Brian Flores just came here because he thinks he's going to be the guy to improve the defense, but no, actually you can't, you can't do it. Like that's a, that's a hard sell, right? Oh, a hundred percent. I think that that's, you know, that's, that's why they pay Quasi the big bucks though. Right. I mean, he's got to be able to, you know, be that guy that to, to softly deliver the message, but the message has to be definitive, right? It has to be, you know, this is, 
you know, 2022 was to get everybody back excited about this team again. 2023 is about 2024. And I, I said this in a tweet, like, I, I think what you have to do is, you know, the message has to be to O'Connell, like, look, you guys in, in LA, you developed some pretty good role players there. You think about, you know, um, Skoranek and, and uh, I think about like the, the Troy Hills of the world and the John Johnsons of the world and the line Ernest Joneses of the world. And, um, even Ashawn Robinson and, and guys like that, uh, uh, Gaines, uh, I can't remember the, the first guy, the, the guys, uh, Greg Gaines, I think is his name, a defensive lineman who's pretty good. The offensive line, you remember how good they were when they first started in LA with, you know, John Sullivan, former Viking Whitworth, um, uh, Roger Saffold and guys like that. A lot of those guys left and then they won a Super Bowl with some linemen other than Whitworth that we weren't particularly sold on, right? That Joseph Noteboom was a really good player, uh, in that playoff run when, um, uh, when Whitworth was injured, that's O'Connell, right? And like O'Connell, that has to be like the the, the role he plays, which is to say, look, Lewis Seen's got to be an NFL starting safety by next year. Uh, Andrew Booth has got to be an NFL corner, some one of the top three corners on your team. Um, Ed Ingram's got to be a, a above replacement level guard. Uh, Brian Osmo has got to be your middle linebacker because you know for the money to work, you got to let Eric Hendricks, you got to let Jordan Hicks go, or one of those two at least. And I would imagine Kendricks first which I know Vikings fans will be bad at because he has had a great career in Minnesota. Um, Jalen Naylor's got to be a wide receiver that, that contributes for you. Except like that draft class has to include players. And, and this year it did not include players. And that, and that was a really rough one. And additionally, if they stick with the, what four draft picks that they have going right now, those guys all have to be able to play by 24. That's got to, if I'm, if I'm thinking about the motivational factor for O'Connell, if I'm coming at him as, at, you know, as Quasi. It's that, right? It's like that's where your magic has to be. We gave you veterans. You weren't able to beat the New York football giants in the playoffs. So we're taking a step back and, and you know, and making, you know, allowing you to apply some of your skills uh, to this new, this new team in 2023. Quasi's role kind of reminds me of when I worked at McDonald's um, because what, what we had was you have uh, a, a corporate structure. Okay. So you had, yeah ownership of all of mcdonald's and then you had like your regional manager and then assistant to the regional manager and then you had like your individual store managers okay so the we all thought as employees as burger makers and order takers that um which is harder than people think by the way people at mcdonald's should get paid but that's a, a whole different story uh, but we would always think that the manager was calling the shots. So we would always just be like, why is the manager doing this? What a dope this manager is yeah. so silly. They don't know what they're doing. And what I didn't realize until at working there for a few years was that they weren't the ones making those decisions that it was coming down from the very top. Here's how we're doing this now. And that, that was how decisions were made. And I wonder if Kwesi Adolfo Mensa is in the same position where it's like, we all want to point at the guy with the GM hat. And I don't know this, this isn't like reporting, but like, we all want to say like, well, you, you're the one who wears that role. So you're the one determining the course of this team. But I, I mean, I don't know if that's true. Like, we're going to find that out, but I don't know if that's true. So let's just say that he is the assistant to the regional manager in this equation, and he is not corporate. And they are telling him from up top, no, we won 13 last year. We're winning 13 again. Yeah. Go make it happen. How can you, if you're Quasi Adafo Mensa, make it happen, 
but also not completely screw yourself for the future. I don't know if that's possible because I like, look, this is this, this would be like the saints all over again. And the thing that the saints had or had was a quarterback that made everybody better. Drew Brees elevated the play of those around him. And, you know, Kirk cousins is a good quarterback. He's a top 12 guy. Let's say on even on a bad year and top eight guy, I think on a good year, but he doesn't make the players around him better. There's a reason why on his contract, he's never been able to have, sustained success and he's never been able to win uh, against teams that have that quarterback that does elevate the players around him that that you know and, and so that that's not a lever you can pull you can't all of a sudden make Kirk Cousins a better player um I, I think you know if they want to do it you know I I do think post June wanting Adam Thielen is is essential I don't think having Thielen on the roster makes them a better team um so that does save them some cap space but that only gets them so far you probably do have to extend cousins for a year um, to smooth out that cap hit. But again, you already tacked on two void years to his deal. Like you're already paying for, for yesterday uh, tomorrow. And, and that, you know, that doesn't help them. They probably have to re-sign Smith, re-sign uh, Hunter. They probably have to get an extension for Jefferson that is backloaded instead of front loaded. And again, like part of, and I didn't put this in the tweet, but like, Part of doing all the hard work of getting rid of all those players that I mentioned in the tweet is putting together an extension for Justin Jefferson that pays him a ton of money now and 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 makes that ton of money. Like if you give him roster bonuses now as opposed to a signing bonus or something, if you pay him up front now, by the time he gets to year four of that deal, he's going to be a surplus for your team, like a huge surplus for your team. And if you decide you need to win this year, then the whole thing, it, it turns actually the opposite direction. Whereas Jefferson's going to be a $40 million cap hit in the future. Uh, you know, Danelle Hunter's going to be a 25 to $30 million cap hit in the future and so on and so forth. And I guess if the mandate from ownership is you have to win now, that's what you had to do. Like that's, those are the kind of deals you're going to have to make. But, you know, the problem is like, who knows when Danelle Hunter is going to stop being good? Who knows when Zadarius Smith is going to stop being? I mean, he you know declined down the stretch last year, let alone you know next year. And who knows how much longer? I mean, Jefferson, I'm, you know, is young and you know he seems hungry and everything like that. But like, who knows how long he's going to be the best player in the NFL who's not a quarterback? Um, so that's kind of how you have to do it. And then you basically have to hit on all of your draft picks. I mean, the people forget like, and this is where this is how razor thin it is. I don't want to use the Chiefs because I'm a fan, but I do want to use them because I'm a fan of their process. They have the best quarterback in the league by a mile. They have the be- one of the best coaches in the league. They hit on eight of their 10 draft picks. Um, they're one of the healthiest teams in the NFL. And they won the Super Bowl by three points and probably got lucky too. Like this is, this is how hard it is, right? And so if you're going to try to split this, you know, split this hair here, like it's just incredibly difficult. Give yourself some slack. Um, and, and I, I wish, I hope Vikings ownership sees that because the Eagles didn't have to hit on everything, right? The Eagles traded Jalen Rager to the Vikings because he sucked. They, 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 um, they, you know, they got, they got James Bradbury to replace some bad corner play to that. They traded for Chauncey Gardner Johnson because their safety play wasn't good enough in 21, et cetera, et cetera. When you have a quarterback making 1.6 million, you can have those problems. When you have a quarterback making what Cousins makes, you have to have all the luck that Kansas City had to win the Super Bowl. And that is with a quarterback who's much better than Cousins is. 
Yeah, I mean, that is a, a amazing to think about. Um, the AFC is a little harder than the NFC. Yeah, <laughs> that, is, sure. that, that is true. But uh, no, no, I mean, you're exactly right that like um, even for Cincinnati to be in the position that they were in, like, uh, again, like a lot of things have to come together. A lot of people have to be healthy. You have to play, you know, at an extremely high level and have a lot of your moves work, uh, which is a big thing. Like if Jamar Chase had not worked out for them, they're not there but instead he's a superstar. So like a lot of these, a lot of these things, they're so out of your hands with the draft, because as we've talked about many times on the show, like you just really don't know on the night that you're drafting those players. But one thing that Kansas city did have was a lot of draft picks and the Vikings certainly don't have that, but I want to, I want to, I want to work on this. I want to try to figure this out because there was a report today that made me think like, oh, I don't think that they're going to make major changes, which is that they pushed back Delvin Tomlinson's date for when they need to decide to extend him or not. Initially, it was a couple days ago, and there was a lot of confusion over that. So they worked with his side and pushed it back to the start of the league year. Now, that's significant because if they extend him, they can push out their dead cap money. Um, and look, I don't see any real, uh, reason to do that unless you're actually considering bringing him back, which means you're considering being competitive and trying to actually win again. So you can sort of follow us down the trail here. So if Quasey is in that position where corporate has told him, this is what you're doing and you have no other choice. Is there, is there a way, can we, you and I galaxy brain our ways up? Because I don't think the answer is extending Delvin Tomlinson. I don't think the answer is signing another veteran corner who's sort of been around because we've been down that road. I mean, I think yeah. there's really only one answer and it's when you look at the offenses that make the Super Bowl, they're usually about, you know, by expected points added a hundred points better than, than the Vikings where they were by EPA by actual points. It's probably like 75 to hundred points. Um, so the offense to me is the only way to do this. And you, you just pray, make- you pray the defense did what it did last year, which is, create a lot of turnovers even if they aren't very good you you one of the reasons I put Zadarius Smith and and Hunter in my tweet to keep is like if you have a pass rush you do have a chance like your secondary you know and and you put a lot of you know one thing that I'll give Quasey a lot of credit for is he's at least thrown numbers at the secondary whether or not it'll work is another question but they have thrown numbers at the secondary um okay so let, let's start with some basics here though you you let Dalvin Cook go Right. I mean, there's there's no real reason to keep him. He wasn't good last year. Um, he had some explosive plays, but, you know, for the most part, down to down. I, he's bad for a couple of reasons for this team. A, he makes enough big plays where you do feel like you have to give him the ball. It was it's it's the sort of Tyreek Hill part of the Chiefs where he's good and, and has history and he garners inefficient plays. Tyreek Hill was actually when the, before the Chiefs traded him. Two and a half yards average of the target decline from one year to the next. And it cut 200 yards off of Travis Kelsey's year the previous year. Um, it much like a bush where you like cut off some branches and you let the rest of the bush grow. Like that's what, that's what Dalvin Cook is to this team. So you let Dalvin Cook go. I think Ty Chandler, I think Kenny Nwangwu, like those guys can do the job, right? I think that you, you do. And there's a lot of free agent running backs. So maybe you can bring back. Like Alexander Madison in a normal year would probably have a market, but he probably won't have a market this year because he's competing with Josh Jacobs, uh, you know, Saquon Barkley. Uh, I'm trying to think of the other ones like Jamal Williams. Like there, there are a number of really good. So you could bring back those three players for a combined like 5 million a year, you know, so get rid of, get rid of Dalvin cook, whether you post June one of them or not, or whether he can actually garner something in a trade, 
I'd be uh, fairly surprised if he could. With Cook, you probably have to post June 1 that thing uh, to get the, the the savings to $9 million. Okay? So you go with Dalvin Cook there. You post June 1. Him, that's one release. Uh, I do think you, you have to pre-June 1 Eric Hendricks. I think that you just say, look, we drafted Asamoa to be one of the linebackers. The Jordan Hicks was fine last year. Cutting him would save us $5 million. But cutting Kendrick saves you about twice that money. So you go in the, in the league and you say, you can you can understand having Asamoa and Hicks as your two linebackers. That doesn't say we're we're trying to lose that much, right? So that that one's there. Um, you extend Jefferson, you extend Hawkinson, you extend Hunter to kind of get their numbers down. You push that money into the future. That help you know you extend Zedaria Smith. You, you say, look, you had a great year. You were a Pro Bowl player. You're going to be a Viking for life. You know, push that money all into the future. So that that help, that helps you get there. You try to bring Patrick Peterson back and say, look, you were on you were on the way out of the league before you came here. Now you got like 12 interceptions or something the last two years. Come back home. You know, give him eight million, right? Like, give him a raise from last year. You probably that that gets you to to, to Harrison Smith. And I want to ask your question, like. Lewisine, Josh Metellus, Cam Bynum are safeties you can you you can pass the laugh test with. So do you cut Harrison Smith post June one to save some money there? Because I think you have to if if you're if you're trying to you know do enough things to be a winner while also staying cap compliant. Yeah, I think that the problem with post June one is that it always sounds so wonderful, but then everyone's already signed. (laughs) Like you can't use that money right away. And if you don't do the Harrison Smith thing post June one, it really doesn't save you a whole lot. Also, I think if you're trying to win this year, you're probably just restructuring that and seeing what Brian Flores can do. Now, I mean, I I agree with the face that you just made, but I I think that like- I mean, I, I just think that like if you're trying to win, that's probably the one guy where you feel like he's going to be a lot better with Brian Flores than he was with Ed Donatel. I don't know how age is going to impact Harrison Smith, but I know what I've seen from him in the past when he's played with an aggressive defensive coordinator yeah. who moves him up to the line of scrimmage. And then they have to hope and pray that Lewis seen is way better. But you're focusing, in my mind, on the wrong part of this. Like what they do on defense is anybody's guess to whether it's going to work or not, right? Like last year, I don't think that you and I thought they were going to be the worst defense in the league. We thought like, oh, well, maybe they could be like 18th or something. But then you get the wrong system, a few things go wrong, and then all of a sudden you're horrendous. Uh, So I don't know about defense. And you can fill some of those spots and whatever else. To me, it's 1997 Minnesota Vikings are completely (laughs) stuck. They're, they win a playoff game that was kind of bogus against the New York Giants with an onside kick and everything else. And I guarantee you from 1997, if everybody was as like smart about football and how everything works then, they would have been saying, boy, this team is just stuck in the middle and we're never going to yeah. really compete and everything else. They got killed by the one... Niners in the playoffs and it was like, they're not that close, right? And there was one gentleman, one human being that changed everything. And you already kind of have Randy Moss, but can you find the other guy? And I, I don't know who it is in this draft, but to me, that's the answer. It's like, it, or, I mean, I don't know if Odell Beckham is the answer, but like, probably not at this point in his career, 
But if you're talking about how you could make it happen, it's making up those hundred points to me. And the running game was horrendous last year. It was a negative by EPA. It was one of the worst in yards per carry. So that, that needs to be better. And you could probably make up like a couple of touchdowns worth of points just by running the ball fairly effectively. If Kevin O'Connell like wants to, um, but in my mind, the only, the only chance you have is to look at San Francisco and say, is Brock Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo really that great? Or do they have wide open freak star players making plays all the time? They have four or five stars. Ayuk is a star. Samuel, Kittle, they bring in McCaffrey and they use them really well. Like that's, to me, that's the only answer to even give it a try. And if it blows up, then oh well. Because if if it's off the table to take it all apart now, then at least go all in on the way that you might actually have something click for you and have a, a crazy explosion of offense that you've never had before. So I, I I agree with you, but I think that the hard part is is we've been as Vikings observers, we we fixate on Jefferson, we fixate on Diggs, and we forget about Laquan Treadwell. We forget about, you know, the the players that because my like look, Jackson Smith and Jigba probably is really good, right? And you know, much like Jefferson, we might be focusing on other people because, you know, like like Jamar Chase was better than Justin Jefferson in college, right? So like Justin Jefferson came at a discount because he only played in the slot and he, you know, was good, not great relative to Jamar Chase. Um, Jackson Smith and Jigba didn't play that much this year because Marvin Harrison Jr. and others were were in front of him and he was a little banged up and he wanted to play for the draft. Like, look, he might be that player, but if he comes here and busts out, that's one of your four draft picks. And I agree that like you, my issue with the Vikings is that the offense has been pretty damn good for like three years now. I know that they lead the league in, you know, uh, three and outs and like there are structural issues with how they go about picking up yards and points. But for the most part, like, the issue is that they don't have a defense that can get them above, you know, and, and if you're going to win, you're not going, like, I hate to say it, you're not going to win a Super Bowl because of your offense when Kirk Cousins is the quarterback. You're going to get to a frustratingly high level of high play that is not enough to win with. And, and then you're going to look and like every single year, you're going to make excuses for Cousins because the other stuff didn't get up, you know, up to par. Like, I agree with you that, that it, we're sort of getting to this conclusion that you can't win with cousins. Like that's what we're getting to. Right. But the, your only chance, I agree that your only chance is to beef up your offense and to make it amazing. But I, I, I just disagree that you can go that far. Like they've gone that far. They've had Thielen. They've had, they've had two or three great wide receivers, a great tight end and a, and a running back who's amazing. I, I just don't see it being able to happen this offseason for them. Like wide receiver in free agency, your best guy is Juju or, or GJ Shark. Like you're not picking that guy up in free agency. And so you're going to the draft and the draft. Um, I think we're overestimating the Vikings likelihood to hit because they've hit before and, and, and they've hit spectacularly. I, I just don't know if they can do it. So like for me, if I was given the mandate to still succeed this year, I would make sure that the defense had as least amount of weak links as possible. And knowing that that's probably going to fail, because if you just turbocharge the offense, the offense will fail at the breaking point. Cousins will show himself to be a not good enough quarterback to win with. So it kind of reminds me of one of those Super Bowl or not Super Bowl superhero movies 
where somebody tells the superhero like you can't do it or uh ivan drago and rocky where it's like you can't win he's too strong and it's like vikings you can't win the forces are too strong but rocky rocky drew on the hearts and minds of the russian people who wanted there to be peace and I don't know what the comparison is for the Vikings, but I think it's offense. Like that's the, yeah. I, I just think like there was no chance Rocky could win unless somehow he got the crowd on, on his uh, back. And then he was able to like demoralize Drago. There's, if you'd say to me, well, there's no real chance the Vikings can get to the Super Bowl no matter what you do. And I guess I would say, well, then at least take the one route yeah. that seems totally like a little counterintuitive compared to where they were but actually might have the chance of clicking and probably is the only thing that could actually get you there would be having a beastly offense and hoping that Brian Flores can improve you to yeah. an average defense. And of course, it, you know, trying to talk yourself into this is our yearly tradition. I just think like that if you're going to deviate from Spielman, this kind of ties back to the point with Spielman because what you just laid out to me is what Rick Spielman would do. He'd be like, oh, let's see if we can get like a veteran linebacker in here. And it's like, no, no, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that. Let Brian Flores blitz the hell out of everybody and you'll just win or lose on the variance and go crazy on the offensive side. That's the, that's the only way. I'm not saying this is a good idea in comparison to like drafting a quarterback and setting yourself up for the future. I just think that if you are told you have no other choice, but to fight Ivan Drago, well, that's, that's your one choice is to give an amazing speech and say, if I can change, then the Vikings can change. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, and look, there's nothing, I mean, Matthew Stafford won a Super Bowl, right? I, I think that they're, the problem with that is that you look at the Rams defense and they have Aaron, they had Aaron Donald, Von Miller, um, you know, uh, Jalen Ramsey, like those players don't exist for the Vikings. You know, they have, they have stars, but I just don't think that the stars are as starly uh, as they were for the Rams. You're going to need Kirk to kind of black out for six weeks, right? L late January to early February. And, you know, we've seen him play fantastic football at times. I think uh, second half of the year, like, he was great, I thought, you know, for the Vikings relative to where he was early in the season. And obviously 19, he had his moments. 20, he had his moments as well. Um, and so I guess if you put more, you make that offense more resilient. Yeah, you know, they that that you know, Hawkinson was a good addition. Um, do you have to put one more kind of intermediate threat to to go with Jefferson? Probably. Um, should you add a guy that can take the top off um the defense, you know, kind of like a you know, I, you know, I always think of MVS for the chiefs where like, he didn't put up a lot of catches and yards, but he ran the the routes away from the guys who were trying to be productive. Um, I, could you do that? Sure. And, and they have two great tackles. Like there's a lot to work with on the offensive side of the ball to your point. Um, but I just don't like, I think they're bad gambles. Like to go to the draft and say, look, out of our four draft picks, we're going to get one offense changing wide receiver to me. is just a really bad gamble, especially in this year's draft. Um, and, and I just, you know, with all the other needs they have and with all the other roster problems they have, like, I, I just don't know if that's going to fly in the building either. I thought you'd be more on board with this. I thought you would love this. I, I, I I'm not, I'm, I mean, I mean, I, I like what you're saying and I understand. I just, and maybe this is just my cynicism growing up here and everything. Like, I just don't see a way out that makes, that doesn't get 
everybody, you know, that doesn't put us in this exact same spot a year from now. Like, I just don't see it. And I, and so I think that the time to make some really hard decisions is now. Um, I think you have cachet from winning 13 games. I think there's two ways that 13 wins could go. It could go, well, it's a mandate to do more or it's a, or it's a license to, to draw from the bank account, you know, another year and say, look, Hey fans, we gave you a great year. We know that this has all good things have to come to an end. Let, you know, let, you know, have, let's have modest expectations for what 2023 looks like that, that to me would be what I would do, but I know that that might not be the reality that they're facing. So we're going to see each other at the combine. We're going to hang there. (laughs) Um, We only have to really look for one or two players for the Vikings because uh, they don't have any draft picks. You think that, I think that trading down out of like 24 into the second round is probably a good idea because I don't think that the gap between the 24th pick and it's 24, right? Uh, 24th and um, 34th or something. I don't think there's really a big gap there between prospect caliber. I do think there's a huge gap between say top 10 or 12 and 32. Uh, But uh I, I think what people are going to should be setting themselves up for is the disappointment of draft night of not having a pick. I yeah. think that's what people really have to prepare themselves for, for the draft. Yeah. And you wonder if they don't just make the trade like days ahead of time, like the, like the saints and the Eagles did and just like get it out of the way. Right. Like, cause, cause I always remember, you know, early in the John Dorsey era with the chiefs, like they would make trades. Um, you know, they tra- the Chris Jones trade was a trade back. They, they wanted Paxton Lynch. You know, it's crazy how, like, no one understands quarterback. The team that drafted Mahomes in 17 wanted Paxton Lynch in 2016. Um, but they trade back, and everybody's like, oh, you know, like, we all came to this party, and then, you know, they're not going to actually have a pick in the first day. But it ended up being Chris Jones, who's obviously their best defensive player. Um, I wonder if they don't, you know, think about something. Like, maybe, maybe that's part of it. Maybe there's an edge in, like, sort of creating some of these trades before they happen so that they know – beforehand that they might have six picks but the first one's 40 as opposed to having four picks and the first one's 24 like i think that there's there's an there may be an edge in be able being able to do that like i i I personally think that if you're like look we're not going to trade the pick unless we see this one guy that we absolutely love i think that's a bad process so I, i do think that they might be benefiting they might benefit from uh you know trading back early and sort of like planning their their draft out that way Okay, so I know we've had a long conversation. I've just uh, broken up the middle of your day working for Sumer Sports and building uh, all sorts of ingenious data tools for NFL teams and so forth. But um, I have an important question, though, to finish the show. So there's uh, some Twitter accounts that tweet out old NFL stuff. And, of course, I follow every single one of them. And one of them tweeted out a Pizza Hut commercial that had Rich Gannon, Michael Strahan, and Chris Hovan. And so I tweeted like, okay, I don't get how Chris Hovan gets into this. Like, did he have a good agent yeah. or something? And every response is like, oh, he had a minute of being really good. It's like, what, wait, what? I don't ever remember Chris it was, Hovan it was a, a celebrity so, NFL player. So Chris Hovan. So like, again, I grew up here. My dad's a Vikings fan, like all this stuff. Like Chris Hovan was good for like a minute. And like, and, and that's the funny thing. So Hovan was a second team all pro in 2002. The problem was, and like people, like we gotta, we gotta do a podcast about this because it's too much fun. Cause it's, it's similar to what we're dealing with now uh, watching the Vikings. 2001 
that was the year that Corey Stringer died. Everything fell apart. You know, Mike, Mike, Mike Tice took over at the end of the year for Dennis Green. Dennis Green literally left the cupboard so bare in 2000. And it, the, the cat, this was before Brzezinski. So they were terrible at the cap. Um, they were starting something called Andrew Jordan at tight end because they couldn't afford Andrew Glover anymore. Like th- these things happened. And there was a time when, when, when Mike Tice and Mike Tice was perfect. You guys would have loved Mike Tice because he told everybody everything. So he goes to the podium. He's like, uh, uh, you know, our defense, there's only one untouchable and it's Chris Hovind. Everybody else is up for grabs. So like literally Chris Hovind was the only player that Mike Tice was considering not moving on from after 2001. So he had his moments, but I also remember. So 2003 happens. They draft Kevin Williams, you know, all you know, kind of hall of fame type player because they missed the first two picks, right? They, 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 they didn't, they weren't in time. And so they had to pick him ninth, right? Something called Ryan Sims for the chiefs went ahead of him a bust. And I can remember who went eighth and maybe it was Baron Leftwich. Kevin Williams gets 10 sacks as a rookie. Chris Hovind gets like two and a half. He's like falling out of favor. I once went to a game against the Jaguars where the Vikings healthy scratched Hovind because he was so bad. He lost his job to something called Spencer Johnson, who, who eventually went to the Bills and had a decent career. Hovind's fall from grace was immense with the Vikings, but he did have a moment when he was like second team all pro because he was, you know, pretty good. He was pretty good on a bad defense. I would love to know a list of players in the NFL who had one good year and ended up in commercials. Like, you know, like the list would probably be incredible. Just like one, one year, somebody is great. They end up in national commercials. And I mean, Tim Tebow is kind of this, but draft class uh, matters too. Cause like Hovan was a first round pick. So like, if you're a first round pick that shows some promise, they'll, they'll buy into you as a player uh, on the media side. And like, that was Hovan, like that was a Hovan to a T. I still think it's wild that he ended up with the NFL MVP, Rich Gannon and Mike Strahan. Also a former Viking, Rich Gannon. Indeed. Indeed he was. And and 12 years later, he became great or whatever. Uh, Eric Eager is great. Great to catch up, man. We will uh, see each other at the combine and uh, we'll see what happens in a couple of weeks. We'll really know all the answers. We might do do a podcast at what, what's that, what's that bar called? The, uh, um at the jw marriott we, we oh, got what is it. it it's like nitronic or something yeah yeah like, nitro or something like that yeah yeah something um, like that. We'll, we'll have to think about doing that uh but yeah I'm, I'm excited um the super bowl was a lot more hectic for me than it was at pff but the combine um uh, uh is going to be less hectic because uh the pff schedule was always a little bit more uh crowded so this will be fun I'm, I'm looking forward to it all right perfect sounds good thanks eric for all of your time as usual and uh thanks everybody for listening